This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 1, verse, uh, John chapter 1, verse 43. Let's do that. You know, I love the book of John, not because I'm John, but... Um, I really do love the different themes of the different Gospels and the different, you know, you get, a, you get to feel through the writer so much of how they see the Lord. And um, John was unique because John was, and I've said this many times lately, but John wrote his book many, many years later. So when he did his account of, you know, the Gospel, he had been walking with the Lord for a really long time. And there's some interesting things that we see through John. John really loved the Lord. And I think John had this revelation that, how many know that the Lord never abandoned earth? <laughs> he never, it's not like he went away and hang tight until he comes back. Amen, Pastor John. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't take off and then just a few more weary days hang on and he'll come back and save you. That's robbing the church of the power of God because how can we believe for him to do something great if we believe that all the bad stuff that's happening is him as well? Yeah, we're going there. We can't possibly believe that if uh, the Lord is the one who makes us sick, that he would also heal us. People wonder why healing has been so absent in the church. Well, you're kind of torn when you believe God made you sick, but you also believe God will heal you. It's hard to believe for healing if, if he made you sick. And we're getting healthier. We are. We're getting healthier. We're learning like he actually is good. <laughs> we haven't really figured out that we're good too, but we're getting there. He created you in his image. You realize if he's good, you've got to be good. If you're not good, then he's not good because you're in his image. If he's good, you're good. I feel like this is really important because we've learned so many wonderful things about how we, and, and, and this morning, I really just want to talk about uh, kind of the topic of what does a normal Christian look like. And don't, don't <laughs> my, my definition will be different than many, trust me. <laughs> but what, is a, what does a normal Christian look like? And I've been thinking about this, this piece about when, you know, when God created us. And there's been so many, th- so many thoughts, so many mindsets that have robbed us from the fullness of walking in who we are. In Christ, and one of the ones is that we, so many of us feel like you know we're just <sighs> I just you know I'm just that sinner that's just saved by grace you know that, that kind of thinking and, and the thing is is that you were a sinner that got saved by grace but you're no longer a sinner <sighs> let's try for the other 50 percent of the room You're no longer, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're not a sinner now. I'm getting there. Some of you are like, well, I've been told my whole life. Well, that's probably why you felt like one your whole life. It's because you thought you were one your whole life. But the reality is when we give our life to the Lord, the Bible says that you have a new nature. What is the point of a baptism? We're making a statement. Old man is gone. He's dead. He's gone. Until we mess up, and then all of a sudden, well, he's just trying to come back and get me. Is he dead or is he dead? 
See, we got to understand this. We have to understand who we are in Christ. We have to understand our new nature in the Lord. We have to understand our identity in the Lord. We have to understand that he created you, and when he created you, he said, you are, you're good. You're good. When he created woman, he said, real good. My wife reminds me of that all the time, but, you know, you're good. What would it look like if we had a church full of people that realized that all of our worth is completely in him and he sees us as he sees his son? He looks at you. I mean, can I just kind of blow your mind a minute? If you've given your life to the Lord, you can't get more worthy. You could go lock yourself in a room and pray and read the Bible for the rest of your life, and you'll be no more worthy than anyone else in this room because it's not you that makes you worthy. It's him that makes you worthy. But the problem is, is that we've gotten so caught up in that, and it's not been, maybe it's not been on purpose, but we've drilled people with teachings on that, and what we have is a church full of people that's just trying to get saved every week instead of people that are trying to become more like him and recognizing who they are. And, and what, you, what you preach is what you get, if there's one thing I've learned, and if all we preach about is sinners, we just have a bunch of people that think they're sinners. But we start talking about people that you have a new nature, you have a new identity, you're loved, you are amazing, and you know what? It's not arrogance, it's confidence. It's arrogance if you think that you did it. As long as you know he did it, it's confidence. And so we get to, we, we get to come into this place where we recognize it's not me. I mean, it's, you know, it's just me being who I'm supposed to be in him, but because of him, I am great. And it's freeing. It's so freeing. We'll advance the kingdom at a quicker pace than ever if we actually demonstrate it well. It's like if you're going to buy a car. I mean, I, I hate to use a car salesman as a... <laughs> could go really wrong really fast, but you know how they are. They, they, have a, they do a really good job of presenting all the good. Sometimes they present more good than there really is, but... You're not going to come and buy a car, and they're going to say, you know, this thing's probably not going to last you more than a couple years. It's actually a piece of junk. Rides rough, has issues. Somewhere along the line, the, the check engine light's going to... <laughs> oh, this, this is, he used to be the head of our logistics, and... Uh... <laughs> We're going to just keep going. But how many understand that as you present it that way, no one's going to be interested in it? So what are we going to get when we present to people? Well, you know, my life's pretty rough. I'm just hanging on until Jesus saves me. Or, or what would it look like if we begin to understand the goodness of the Lord and who we are in him? And everywhere we went, people just, you just got around them and they say, wow, what are you carrying? You just you start walking into places, and people just start getting healed when you walk in. And it's, it is nothing you do, and I, I had that. I'll never forget. I told the story before, and then I'll, I promise I'll preach something small. I, I walked into a restaurant one time, and there was a young lady that when I walked in, and she just, uh, I was standing there. I was waiting on friends to get there, and I was just, there was nobody else in the little waiting area, and it was just me, and she started staring at me really weird. Just like, like I'm talking like that intent, like awkward stare. Like, 
to the point where someone had to say something. It's just like locked on. And you're like first trying to look away. And every time you pop your head up, she's still looking. You know, fake phone calls, everything. Nothing was working. And finally, I, I just, she, and then she started going. I'm like, now it's getting weird. I'm like, is this, like, she's looking at me going. <laughs> I promise, and I'm a really big people person. I just looked at her and said, <laughs> I said, are you okay? And she said, this is going to sound weird. I'm like, well, go for it. We're already in that place now. It's like, let's just take it there, right? She said, this is going to sound weird. She said, but I have been standing, I have been in pain for days. My feet have been hurting me. I've been in pain all day. She said, when you walked in, all the pain just stopped. And she said, I don't know what happened. I said, I said, no, that's not weird. I said, that's Jesus. He's just that good. And what happens when people begin to know us for the Jesus that we carry instead of all of the no's that we, already ha- that we carry? We're carrying a yes. And so Jesus, if, if you're already in John chapter 1, verse 43, it says that uh, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. How you know Jesus was an extrovert? <laughs> Introvert would have went on his own. Um, I'm just joking. And so now Philip, <laughs> I thought that was funny. But now Philip was from. <laughs> now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, "We have found him." of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, I love it, come and see. Some of you need to put away the, all the explanations sometimes and just show people the goodness of the Lord. And he said, you know what, just come and see. In verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, (laughs) Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. (laughs) Just stop there a second. (laughs) Actually, Nathanael answered to him. (laughs) He said, "Um, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, you were under a fig tree and I saw you. Hang on there a second. So here's Jesus, such a fun, Jesus is moving in his seer gifting. And um, here's Nathaniel, it says, you know, does anything good actually come from Nazareth? Talk about an insult. I mean, think about it. If someone like, does anything good come from Charlotte? You know what I mean? That's that not like an insult. And here, he, here he, he says, well, come, he says, just come and see. And so he's coming towards Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, I heard what you just said about me. He didn't say, oh, Nathaniel. He looked at him, and he said, behold, an Israelite in whom no deceit. And, and he says, wait a minute. Have we met? Jesus says, actually, I saw you before you were here. I saw you sitting under that fig tree. I find it interesting that sometimes the expectations that we come with is how Jesus shows up. Wasn't it interesting that Philip said, come follow me, come and see, and then what Jesus did was actually operate in the seeing, gifting. 
come and see. He didn't say, come and hear. He said, come and see. And Jesus then, he's beginning to move in this. And one of the things I've learned is the expectation that we bring into the presence of the Lord is often a foundation for what the Lord does. If you come in expecting miracles, miracles are going to happen. It's, it's just, it's, he's just that good. And so he said, well, why don't you come and see? And so Jesus begins to operate in this gifting. And it's important that we understand something that Jesus... When Jesus walked the earth, he was not doing it just to display what the Father could do on this earth. The purpose of Jesus walking the earth was to display what you and I can do on this earth. You understand that, right? Like, there's, we, We're going to clear up a couple thoughts this morning, then we'll land there. Because Jesus came to model what the Christian life looked like. Jesus was the most normal Christian ever. <laughs> so you're like... Jesus was the most normal Christian ever. We're the ones that have looked at him and made it into something that looks unattainable. Jesus was the first one to walk the earth in relationship with the Father like that and demonstrate what Christianity should look like. Pick it up again, verse 48. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Uh, listen, man, Nathaniel is on the fastest track, the quickest Bible school ever. <laughs> you, you guys understand, Jesus was basically like a walking supernatural school of the ministry. One moment, he doesn't even believe it's him. The next minute, he's like talking to him and saying, you're going to see greater things than these. And he's just, you know, Jesus operated differently. He just pulled people in and said, let's go. And then he taught them. He had this thing about going. And we've kind of, if we're not careful, we can get so taught up in knowing, we never end up going. And Jesus really, he had this way of living where you had to know, and then you, he said, you would go, and then you'll know. Follow me. Sure. What would that Bible school look like? You show up day one, all right, we're going out. What are we doing? Come on, come and see. You see, Jesus had this, this thing where he just recognized he would see the grace and he would just pull him and say, let's go. And he said at the end there, he said, most assuredly I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Everybody say heaven open. Angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it, to Genesis when we see Jacob's ladder. Remember that piece, and it said there was a ladder ascending into heaven, and there was angels ascending and descending, and there was the voice of the Father. What's happening here? That was the first, in Genesis, the Bible says that was the first time ever the, the house of God was mentioned. It's the first mention in your Bible of the house of God. Here Jesus comes, and something is taking place. He is now becoming the house of God. Before the angels were ascending and descending in this location, Bethel, you with me? Hang with me. 
There was this location, Jacob went, laid down, had a dream, had an encounter in the night, and when he's having that encounter, there's a location, there's a ladder, there's angels, there's the voice of the Father, and there's rest. We often forget that piece. And this location is called Bethel, the house of God. So the beautiful thing is, is for those of you that are visiting today, the first time that the house of God was ever mentioned in your Bible, it was defined as a place where there should be angelic activity, the voice of the Father, rest. Three things that we really struggle with because we've introduced striving instead of rest, and we've taught people that, well, God's already spoke, it's in his Bible, anything beyond that's not him, baloney. God will never speak and contradict his Bible, but you're not going to contain him. Y'all are getting quiet on me. Don't leave me hanging here. Angelic activity. And so here's Jesus. He comes, and what's happening? All of a sudden that the house of God is going from a location, physical location in Bethel, to he is now the initial one to become the house of God. Now he has angelic activity on him, and something's happening. It's shifting from a location to resting on a person. And so he tells him this, and Jesus says that, hey, listen, you know, uh, greater things than this you're going to see. Jesus was beginning to introduce, even though the new covenant had not happened yet, he was beginning to introduce something to them that was coming their way. That everything is going to change. You will be the one who carries the house of God. You will be the one who has access to heaven. Didn't we sing it this morning, heaven on earth now? You will be the one that has the angelic activity surrounds you. I think angels are just the coolest. I don't worship angels, but I don't ignore them either. They're just, they're just, when they show up, things happen. Why? Because they carry assignments. And I can feel when they come in the room. You can just feel it. And Jesus was saying, something's going to happen. Something's coming your way. You're going to begin to experience this angelic activity. And the voice of the Father, that should be everyday life. And so Jesus is... He's beginning this ministry, he's doing this ministry on earth, and it's, you know, he's, he's beginning to pick up his disciples. And something interesting about the ministry of Jesus on earth is that Jesus didn't draw a lot of what I'm going to say are the lines that we draw. Jesus had this ability to somehow talk in one sentence about eternity and time at the same time. He had this incredible, he didn't draw lines between natural and supernatural, he didn't say, well, that's, you know, that's, you know, I'm going to walk in my supernatural Jesus. And I'm having a little bit of a slow day, so I'm going to walk in my natural Jesus today. He <laughs> was just Jesus. Heaven rested on him. And so he didn't have these lines that he drew between different things. And what would it look like if we could begin to just erase the lines that we've drawn? This service today, there doesn't need to be a line that when you leave the property, this stops. It's not like, well, this is my church box. It's my home box. This is my work box. It's my fun box. Jesus was just like, let's just do this in life. He didn't draw any lines. <laughs> 
And so the Bible tells us, it says that we are renewed, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is the piece I really want to get to this this morning because I think there's a real change of thinking that has to happen for us to get here. The Bible says in Matthew chapter uh, 24, verse, uh, Matthew 24, verse 14 says this, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Everybody say the gospel, the gospel. of the kingdom. Of the kingdom. This is important that we get this. Let me finish what I say before you draw any conclusions. Jesus did not tell us to preach the gospel of salvation. I know, whew, felt that cold wave hit me right there. It's like, whoo, son, preaching this in the South. <laughs> I grew up in the South, so I get it. I, I get it. Everybody's saved. Jesus never, now, he never taught us, he never said preach the gospel of salvation. He said preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now, the reality is, is that step one into the kingdom is salvation. I get that. But if all we ever preach is the gospel of step one, all you're going to get is step one people. Yeah. <laughs> you see, Jesus came and he said, preach the gospel of the kingdom. I, f- I find it Interesting, because Jesus is taking people through the process of understanding the kingdom. He's teaching them things like he says in this scripture we just read here. He says, you're going to see greater things. If you read on, he says, you're going to do greater things. He's, he's, he's kind of holding their hand and walking them along. I mean, if he would have like just thrown it out there, right, that would have been heavy. Like right there, Nathaniel's already like, first of all, how do you even know me? And he's like, well, you're going to see greater things than that. And then he goes on and says, you're going to do greater things than that. And he's beginning to let them experience, they have to experience the kingdom, because the reality is, is experience, experience produces authority. This is really important, guys. Experience produces authority. That's why I try to talk someone out of Someone that got healed, try to tell them God doesn't heal. It's like, well, you know, all I know is that once I couldn't see and now I can see. Because when you have an experience, it produces an authority. That's why some of the people with the greatest authority are ones that they got healed. Now they pray for a bunch of people and they get healed. Debating where to go in my head while I'm walking the platform. Let me just say it this way. People that were set free from being drunken alcoholics have the greatest authority to speak to a drunken alcoholic. The problem is, is that we teach them don't hang around anyone like that. Now, I'm not saying if you're fresh out of getting healed, 
go to all the bars. That's between, you know, just use wisdom. But what I am, what I am saying is, is that you have the greatest authority to speak into their life because that's your testimony. And in your testimony, you carry a prophecy that if I got free, you can get free. Because experience brings authority. And so Jesus is walking this kingdom. He's saying, I need to show it to you because I know that if I can show it to you, you'll get the experience and then you'll carry the authority for the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody's getting excited. This, this topic on who we are in Christ is, is just one of my greatest passions because Nothing breaks my heart more than to see a believer and they don't know who they are. You know, you just talk to them and just they're so, they just, they're so miserable sometimes. And you're, you know that you're talking to someone who has every bit within them to be a champion. But they've been taught their whole life that you're just a miserable sinner. And if you are good enough, you will make it. It's just not how Jesus worked. Matter of fact, he picked up a pretty ornery 12. Some of you really should read your Bible more and find out a little bit more about these guys before he said, come with me. It's, oh, Peter. Guy had a mouth, man. But he was also the only one to get out of the boat. <laughs> you know, I, I. What time is it? Oh boy! All right. Um, I remember when I, I remember when I, the Lord was taking me through this transitional season of basically teaching me everything over again. It wasn't that long ago. And I remember I was, went, I was invited to this small meeting, and it was just a handful of ministers. One of them there was Sean Bowles. This was Sean Bowles before he was Sean Bowles, you know. Um, and we, we got together in this little group, and it was called Emerging Apostolic Leaders, something like that. And I got in this group full of leaders that, honestly, the moment I walked in, it scared me to death. I thought, you guys are crazy. <laughs> like, like, I'm being honest with you. I'm like raised like, you know, one way, and I'm, I'm all of a sudden just beginning to understand, oh, you know, I walk into this room full of guys that like I'm talking, now they're some of my close friends, you know, like tattoos. There is no real estate left on their body for another tattoo. Like, they're like all the way up to here. One time they joked with me, like, we should get matching tats, but they'll have to be on the face because that's all we got left. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to start on my face, guys. Like... <laughs> Here's Pastor John's first tattoo, you know, <laughs> the name of a guy, that would go well, you know, and, it's, and so, <laughs> so I'm walking in there, and I remember I'm sitting there, Tiffany's with me, and we're in this group full of leaders, and it is a whole different world than what I'm used to. I'm used to, like, this denominational Christmas dinners where if you guess the right things, you get a prize at the end, and if you didn't go to the right Bible school, you sit in that corner, and everyone that went to the right Bible school, you get to be a part of the group. I was always in the corner, and I remember going, I'd go to these meetings, and I would just like tell Tiffany we'd leave, and I was like, man, I feel so depressed after I leave these meetings. They're just, they're so like, ugh. 
Anyways, so we go to this, this meeting, we just joined this fellowship, and we get there, and we walk in, and it's young apostolic leaders, and there's these really radical guys there. I mean radical. I mean really radical. <laughs> Does anybody know who Tommy Green is by chance? Just curious. Anybody? anybody? Okay, go look up the podcast, Tommy Green, uh, Sean Bowles, that'll rock your world. And Eric Gregson, any guys know him? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, some of you, most of you don't. That's why you're not getting me. And so I go in there, and I remember they're talking about all this stuff, and I'm looking at them, and I'm hearing them, and I'm seeing them, and I'm thinking, you don't look anything like what I was always thought would be kingdom. But you're doing way more than everyone I know. And I hit a crisis. You don't look right, but you're doing it right. And I was, in, I was in major trouble with my thinking because I thought, now what? And I'm walking. I'm leaving, the, I'm leaving the little meeting. I'm walking to my car. And one of the guys, Eric Gregson, who wins the award for most tattoos, flung the door open and started chasing me. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> now they're after me. Tiffany, I'm looking back. I'm just like... And he's, he's coming quick. They're like, go, 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 go. And uh, we rented a car. My parents had the car. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And he comes up and he, he grabs my shoulder. And Eric is the most quiet guy you'll ever meet. I mean, he's, he's, he's awkwardly quiet. Like, he, does, he just, when Eric smiles, it's like this. He's like, no, I'm smiling. Anyways, he grabs my arm and he, he turns me around. Like, grabs my arm, turns me around. He says, I just want to let you know. He said, man, he's like, I love your heart. So now I'm feeling convicted. I'm like, but, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like there's this clash of worlds happening. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm beginning to realize that just like the original 12, I'm seeing these people that don't look like what I thought they should look like. But they're advancing the kingdom. And they're doing the stuff. And what would it look like if we just created an atmosphere where we said, okay, I'm going to take the Jesus model. Let's just go for it. Come and see. Come and see. <laughs> you see, there's a difference with the message of the kingdom. And the message of salvation. My friends, they're doing church in tattoo parlors. They're rescuing the people that need to be rescued. They're doing things. I'm not, let me clarify that. Not because you have a tattoo, you need to be rescued. I was referring to something else in my mind. They're rescuing people that are in sex trafficking and everything else. They're, they're rescuing people. But they don't necessarily look the way we think they should look. But Jesus said, let's just advance the kingdom. Well, people say, well, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Don't make repentance and salvation the same term. Repentance means to change the way you think. 
Salvation means that you gave your life to the Lord. You decided, I want to be your kid. You saved me from my mess. Repentance has to happen for salvation to happen. But salvation and repentance are not the same thing. So when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God, it was at hand. He wasn't saying, get saved. He was saying, change the way you think. Change the way you think. Change it. You're not, you're not just a sinner anymore. Change the way you think. That's how Jesus came to people. Change the way you think. And when they had trouble with it, he would show them something great. He'd do something amazing. He's just that good. I love what they were singing this morning. He's that good. He's that good. He really is that good. But the piece I'm trying to get to this morning is that if you're made in his image, you're good too. He said it when he first created man, you're good. Well, man fell, remember? Yeah. You remember the little thing called the cross? <laughs> that was because he was bringing things back from when man fell. He said, it's not good that we're separated, so I'm going to send my son because we need to fix this. And so he goes and he dies on the cross. Why? Because he wants to be in relationship with you. He longs for you, man. You're, you're that good. He wants to, I mean, people, you think that the Bible says that the, the bride and the groom, he's not going to hand his son over to this messed up bride. This is, I'm really not sure why I'm going here this much this morning, except for I just, I feel it so strongly that the Lord just wants us to understand he is good. You're in his image. You are good. I recognize it's, 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 not, it's, not, all, it's not all about me. Everything I have, everything I do, it's just because he's that good. But I get to be great too. I bet if I were to have everyone stand up right now and say, I am great, it would be some of the hardest thing to come out of some of your lips. I feel it. Like I feel it. Matter of fact, that's what I'm going to make you do in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like this wave hit me, like, like, like because I, I was going to say, I am great, and I, I, I usually don't stutter. I'm like, it was hard for me to say it. I'm like, just, I'm like some, man, there's something like holding me back from saying it. We're not going to do that. So let's stand up. And this is not some self-help thing, guys. This is knowing that we have a good daddy, and he created you in his own image. You're wonderfully made. That's why it's getting so fun every week. It's because we stop, we're not carrying, we, the more we let go of these burdens, these weights that have been holding us back, and just line up our identity with him, that he is good, and I am good. So let's just start there. Come on, say, he is good, he is good. and I am good. He is great, and I am great. Wow. <laughs> now, I speak to what's inside of some of you that has been suppressed, has been pushed down, has been buried in the dirt. It's time for it to come out. 
I speak to the lion that is in many of you that has been attempted to be tamed. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to pray this, (laughs) just warning you, when you pray certain prayers, be ready for the answers. When we pray, Lord, come and you're singing that song, hallelujah, come, just know when he comes, he doesn't come and sit on the back row quietly. I want you right now just to pray over your heart, Lord, some of you especially that have been, um, there's been a major suppression of, I'm trying to get the language for it, but through the years it's just been pushed down. I want you to put your hands on your heart and just say, Lord, I call out the lion. Call out the lion. I call out the lion. You were called. Come on. I was called. I was called to be just like you. I speak over every one of you right now. I I, I speak over your hearts that the lion that's in you would be released. I speak over every one of you that the champion that's in you would be released. I speak over every one of you that you would realize how great he is and in return how great you are. I speak over you that all the things that are in you that you even thought are, have just, they're gone. There is no expiration dates in the kingdom. And if you don't believe me, well, we know we can bring it back to life if you feel like it's dead. So we speak to everything in you especially the areas that you think are dead. And we release the life, the breath of heaven into you. Right now. Right now. Right now. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. I'm just waiting right now. I can feel it few things happening, so let's just wait a moment. Lord, I call out the lion! (laughs) There's a lion. There's a a lioness. (laughs) Yeah. It's there. It's there. Jesus. <sighs> Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. I'm not holding him back. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just Jesus. grab the hand of somebody next to you. Just begin to pray that the Lord would just begin to release what's in their hearts. Call the things that look dead back to life. Just begin to speak wholeness, begin to speak life, begin to speak that the Lord would breathe on them right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Come on. Come on. You're here for a reason this morning. You're here for a reason this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, there is a confidence that he is stirring up in some of you that you have longed for. Just let it begin to just raise up in you, rise up in you. Confidence, confidence of who you are in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, this word I keep getting, and I, I hope it comes across right. Um, the Lord doesn't want anyone to be a victim. I use this word cautiously because I know I often run into people that have a heart for others that have been victims through different circumstances in life, but just realize that what the Lord really wants is for you to no longer be a victim. And I feel like, I don't know why, maybe it's one or two people, but I feel like there's someone in the room this morning that there's like a victim mentality going on. And even as I've been praying, you've been running through your head different scenarios of how you were victimized. And I feel like the Lord is saying this morning, it's time to rise up out of victim status into son or daughter status. And, and I say this, I'm really cautious because I understand how heavy the word victim can be. And I'm, I'm treading very respectfully. But he did not call you to stay a victim. And I believe that there's enough authority, there's enough power, there's enough love in this room to take the victim and pull them into an overcomer. And so I'm not going to necessarily have you raise your hand on it, but I am going to pray over the room right now. So I speak over everyone in this room. Whatever the circumstance could be that there has been a, a victim that's, uh, you've been victimized, I speak over your heart right now that the healing hands of the Lord would begin to come in and he would begin to hold you, but it's not so you can stay where you are. It's so you can step out of where you've been. And that even though you came into this Sunday morning service still struggling with feeling being a victim from something, you will leave saying, I left that victim behind. I speak over you that you are not a victim. Your real, your real nature is that you are a son. You are a daughter. You are a king. You are a priest. You are an overcomer. You are filled with every spiritual blessing. It's in you. The victim, it is the reality of something that has happened, but it is not your nature. So I release the nature of God, the revelation of who you are, the new nature of who you are into you right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. I just, just hang there a minute. Hang there a minute. One of, the, <laughs> one of the biggest things you have to do in stepping out of that place of where you've been is changing your mind. Probably the hardest change of mind comes when you have to forgive people. The toughest forgiveness to give is when the person didn't ask for forgiveness. But the reality is, is that you extending forgiveness is more about you getting free you're not, you're not doing that because of them right now. This is for you. And so before we, before we transition and I call up the prayer team, I want you right now in your heart, I want you to gather together. Matter of fact, I pray courage right now. I pray courage. That would go after this. To rise up in you. And right now in the strength of the Lord that is in this room, 
I want you to forgive whoever needs to be forgiven that is standing in front of you that is keeping you from getting out of where you're at now. Forgive them. Forgive them. That's powerful. Somebody said, I forgive myself. That might be what you need to do. I'm not saying that's everybody, but just extend that forgiveness. And just release them. Just release it. Now in that place, Father, fill it. Fill it with your goodness. Fill it with your healing. Fill it with your love. Fill it with identity. Fill it. I don't want to call anybody out, but I feel like there's somebody over here specifically that is, you've been carrying something so long, and I, feel, I just keep feeling there is this grace to, like, really let this thing go today, to really let this thing go today. So I just encourage you, if there's, I feel like it's a lady, and I, I really feel in my heart, like, there is a grace to step out of this today. So please don't leave and miss it. Not saying there won't be grace later, but step into what he has now. Right now. Right now. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. speak that you would get your hopes up get your hopes up you've been some you've been told don't get your hopes up it's time to get your hopes up you should be the most hopeful people walking the face of the planet get your hopes up something down this morning that I'm going to close with. Hope only exists in the future. If you place your hope in the past, it's called regret. The Bible talks about the hope and things that are unseen, confident in things that are yet to come. Such a, such a, so many scriptures are so hard to understand. So often we're confident in what we know. That's kind of just what naturally tends to happen. But for us to go where the Lord wants to take us, we have to begin to walk in a place that we're actually a walk of faith. It takes faith to please God, right? We have to become confident in the things to come. When we begin to be people that are confident in things to come, we begin to be a people that get out of being stuck all the time. Because when our confidence is in now, we never leave now. 
I feel, I feel something on this connecting to those of you that are stepping out of some places because sometimes you even become confident in just being hurt. I know what it's like to be hurt. I'm good at feeling hurt. I don't know what it would feel like to walk that way. But there's a breaking for that this morning. There's going to be a confidence of what's to come. And so I'm going to close on that thought that, Lord, I would release in this room a confidence of things that have even yet to come, which is really hope. It's hope. It's not, it's not a confidence necessarily in now or the past. It's confidence in what is good to come. Those of you that have you've known one thing, he wants you to begin to be confident in what's to come. And you can do that because you know he's good. And he won't give you anything bad. In Jesus' name.